Hello, everybody. Jace here. Just wanted to remind you, as San Diego Comic-Con is imminent, that my friends over at Rocket Ship Entertainment, the industry leader in publishing hit web comics, and the 2021 Ringo Award winner for Favorite Publisher, is going to make their first ever appearance at San Diego Comic-Con this year for 2022. Uh, their booth is number 2707. It's on the main show floor. Fans can pick up graphic novels, games, merchandise, including two exclusives, from the Eisner-nominated smash hit Let's Play, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Let's Play coloring book, and the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Starbucks Bowser t-shirt. And if you're a fan of Let's Play, you'll know exactly who Bowser is. He's the cutest little puppy in the world. Uh, the creator of Let's Play will be there, Leanne Krasik, as well as Nick Selleck from Lars the Awkward Yeti. They're going to be doing signings throughout the weekend, as well as other creators that have a rocket ship entertainment properties, such as Ryan Benjamin, Tom Zaller, Riley Brown, Sanford Green, Danny Shinya, Tom Akel, Sherard Jackson, Rob Feldman, and Kevin Scott, who's going to have a secret project announced during the legendary comics panel. So the signing schedule will be posted at the rocket ship booth. So be sure you swing by so you know when your favorite creators are going to be signing. There's going to be free prints as avail available as well. Also, Nick Selleck is going to be doing some free sketches from his property, Lars the Awkward Yeti and Heart and Brain. Ryan Benjamin is going to be doing some live sketching of characters from the upcoming Stan Lee's Genesis tabletop game. And there's also going to be portfolio reviews. So if you're a new or aspiring artist, you'd like to have your work critiqued on Thursday, the 21st from 1 to 2. Tom Akel and Ryan Benjamin will be reviewing portfolios. And then on Saturday, the 23rd from 1 to 2, Leanne Krasik will be reviewing portfolios. So sign up and get your work looked at by some very talented professionals. In addition to the booth, there are also going to be some panels. So we've got Taking Off with Rocket Ship Entertainment on Saturday, July 23rd from 6 to 7 in room 23ABC. Tom Akel, the CEO of Rocket Ship, is going to participate in the Kickstarting Comics in 2022 and beyond. That panel is Thursday, July 21st, 3 to 4 p.m. in room 9. And then finally, Ryan Benjamin is going to be talking about his boot camp art uh, program that he has going on. So the Comic Pro Boot Camp Art Demo is going to be Saturday, July 23rd from 1230 to 2 p.m. in room 2. So if you're interested at all, swing by the booth. Like I said, tons of giveaways, tons of great properties, and tons of great creators from Rocket Ship Entertainment. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. And this is your new Comics Wednesday episode for July 20th, 2022. If you're listening to this on the day it's released, I'm probably driving to San Diego right now for San Diego Comic Con. I'm already tired. I know it's first world problems, but uh, I have <laughs> so much that I'm scheduled to do. So many interviews and press rooms and red carpets and whatever. So yeah, uh, not complaining because I, I know how lucky I am, but it is not a vacation. So 
there is that. But I am excited, uh, mostly to, not even necessarily for all the press lines and interviews and whatnot, but just to see comic creators that I consider friends that I haven't seen you know, in years. Um, there are a lot that aren't going this year that normally do. Um, so there's that as well. And this isn't going to be a normal San Diego by any means. Uh, we already know the news about Warner Brothers not being there. There's no Dark Horse. There's no DC. Um, so, you know, still struggling to kind of get back to normal, as it were. And, you know, uh, according to the news and the numbers, pandemic is spiking again. So, yeah, we're not out of this. We're not out of this thing yet. And I'm one of the only people I know who hasn't gotten COVID. Uh, and probably will get it this week honestly you got to wear a mask inside the convention but I, I don't think i'll be wearing a mask when i'm going to all the parties and uh drinking and whatnot so uh at this point it just feels inevitable i'm i'm vaxxed i'm boosted i'll just do the best i can um but yeah it just sort of feels inevitable that i'm going to get it at this point and if i'm going to get it it'll probably be you know at this show so uh, all that being said we're going to talk about 13 books that are coming out today. Well, 12 books in a trade. And uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and dive right in. I do want to let everybody know we did not, for whatever reason, get uh, Judgment Day number one. I don't know why it wasn't in our press previews from Marvel. Um, so I, Jay and I are both kind of disappointed because we did want to talk about it. But uh, that being said, let's kick it off with Silver Coin. This is issue number 12. can't believe this book's been out a year already. This particular issue is written by Stephanie Phillips. Line work and lettering by Michael Walsh. Uh, what do you think? Oh, it's good. Uh, I like Silver Coin. The series is good. And it's, you're, you're right. It's like, wow, it's, I can't believe it's been going on this long. But uh, it's just a, a good story about the world uh, according to that coin and how it goes through different uh, years and who it possesses and how it makes people, you know, do crazy things. And this one, we go back to uh, February 1945 during World War II and um, the Italian Alps. And we're dealing with the military, with the army and the Germans. And, you know, it's it's cool because, you know, you can see people that were in that war that were just young, scared, and didn't know what was really going on. They they'd never really killed anybody, but they were kind of thrown into the, you know, the mix of the war. And the coin just has a little play in there of, you know, messing with people's emotions and mind. I, I really did like it a lot, and uh, the stories never disappoint. Yeah, I mean, somewhat of a, I don't want to say a simple story or a simplistic story, but but sort of a, a simple story in its in its execution, a very straightforward story. Um, and you can kind of see what's coming, but that actually makes it worse because you can kind of see what's coming. You don't want it to happen, um, but yet it does. And we, we all know the horrors of war, you know, regardless of the coin. Uh, and then you add the coin and it's sort of evil intentions and it makes it just that much worse. So great job by Stephanie Phillips, as we've come to expect from her. And of course, Michael Walsh is his normal uh, genius self, giving the perfect sort of aesthetic to his line work for this book. Uh, all right. My first book is Seven Sons, part two. It's written by Robert Wyndham and Kelvin Mao. Art is by Jay Lee, colors by June Chung, lettering by Crank. Uh, didn't get too spoiler. You're talking about the first issue, but basically this is about this kind of alternate history where religion is much more important. Some guy in the early 1900s, I think becomes this prophet. He's got, he wrote this book called like the prophecy of the seven sons. And, you know, there's that whole myth, uh, the seventh son of a seventh son is born and he'll, 
you know, be the savior. And it goes way back. I think it's a Native American uh, myth, if I'm not mistaken. But in this reality, there are seven sons that are that are born and any one of them could be the Messiah. Uh, and then there's a cult from the Middle East that are trying to take them out. And you know, supposedly on one day, one of these seven sons will uh, basically be the second coming of, of Christ, I suppose you'd say. So it's a very different world that these two writers have created. Um, I'm not the biggest Jay Lee fan. And it definitely gives it this sort of creepy vibe. I'm interested enough in the story, not because I'm a religious, but because I was raised religious and I, I sort of am too uh, logical and scientific to really accept it. But I still find it fascinating the things that people believe and they let it color their life. And this story is very much about that. But I, I do sort of wish that it had a more straightforward artist because Jay Lee, his art can be really esoteric and um, almost impressionistic at times and a very fine line work, but like his, his faces, the features on his faces always seem too small for the, the actual size of the head, like cupid dolls. Um, it just, it just kind of bugs me. So I'm curious if a different aesthetic would have made the story feel differently, but obviously these two writers, Wyndham and Mao wanted that sort of weird, creepy aesthetic. Um, so not sure where the story's headed yet. Uh, quite a bit of action in this one. And we get uh, kind of a glimpse a more close, intimate look at a couple of the sons, um, which m makes us realize that they're more human than we might have thought. They've lived this very sheltered life, and they certainly don't necessarily see themselves as saviors, as it were. So, uh, all right, up next for from Jay, another image title. You know, twelve issues of um, Silver Coin seems like a lot. What about thirty-one issues of Ice Cream Man? <laughs> Can't believe we're on. It feels like the first issue just came out, but. Uh, anyway, the issue is called A Scale, written by W. Maxwell Prince. Art is by Mar Martin Marazzo. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. Lettered by good old Neon. What do you think? Good. It's, it's crazy to just say this. Like, well, Ice Cream Man, I know you haven't read them yet, but you better catch up. We're already at 31 now. <laughs> <laughs> but this one's really good because it kind of goes off the beating track because you don't know what to expect with Ice Cream Man because it's always a very unique story in, in you know, each issue. And this one, there's no horror at it. It's just, uh, you know, it's called The Scale and it's just about family, you know, how we get young and old. It's kind of a heartfelt story. It's like when you, if you actually read it, you're like, wow, you know, it's kind of, Makes you think a little bit. I, I really enjoyed the storytelling and it did have that little, uh, it's called sort of a poem. It did have that poem feeling to the storytelling. So I really enjoyed it. And like I said, it just, I hope they get to 51. <laughs> yeah. It'd be crazy how, how that thing just keeps on chugging along. So, uh, okay. Up next for myself, we've got uh, Avengers number 58 written by, Jason Aaron, art by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, uh, letters by Corey Petit. Um, I don't know how much I should say here. I mean, it's kind of on the cover, so I feel like I could say, uh, but I won't. I'll just say there is a, a different version of a classic Marvel character. Uh, like, like they take this Marvel character and rather than having them be like a superhero, they mix it with another sort of a genre and the result is this sort of awesome mashup um, and it's a favorite character of mine and I just think it's it's fantastic so you know this this story continues to s sort of be the snapshots of the Avengers traveling through time fighting against Mephisto the multiverses uh, multiversal masters of evil uh, and so I, you know I just don't know if it's fleshed out enough um, 
I haven't read any of Jason Aaron's Thor before, so I, I can't really speak to his right. I don't know his writing that well. And I don't want to say that it seems like, you know, he's not giving his all. Um, but it, it, it just feels like the, maybe the story is so big and he's trying to fit so much in here that we're losing a little bit of connective tissue. Um, but maybe he's going to pull it all in uh, and pull it all together in the end. Again, I, I just don't know because the only uh, series from Jason Aaron that I, that I really can say that I've read all of is um, Thanos Rising, which was only five issues. Um, but when I think back, I guess that kind of jumped too. But at the same time, I mean, it was covering Thanos's whole childhood, so it did have to sort of jump. So anyway, this is fantastic. I am enjoying it. Curious to see where it's going. And the art by Javier Garon is, is fantastic. And again, like just seeing this classic character in a new kind of a new version of him was, was awesome. Uh, and the color work, I got to shout out the color work from Curiel as well. Really, really great. Uh, all right. Up next from Jay from Skybound, we have After School, which is another anthology series we've been covering. This is episode two, The Storkening, uh, written by Kate Heron and Brioni Redman. Art is by Leila Leyes. Giovanni Nero does the colors and Pat Brosso on letters. What do you think? Oh, uh, it's funny because uh, when I first saw issue one, uh, I said after school, I was like, okay, what's it going to be covering? But it's, you know, high schoolers and uh, horror you know, stories. You know, like, uh, so it was the first one was really good. And each one's got his own little standalone story. And this one is called The Snorkening. I was like, what's well, kind of a weird title? But it's just uh, deals with a bunch of girls that have to deal with, you know, teen pregnancy and how they get cursed and how, it, you know, that curse will hunt you down. And it's actually pretty funny, some parts of the story. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And if you're a horror fan, you know, you definitely got to keep this one in your, in your mind. But it's definitely worth it. The storytelling is funny. Um, the artwork is good. The colors are a lot brighter than I would uh, anticipate for a horror story, but they're just bright out there. And they get dark just at the right time when, they, when, they, uh, when it gets kind of creepy. So I liked it a lot. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of people talking about this book. Um partly talking about how bloody it is. So, so I'm a, real curious to, uh, to check it out. But again, it's just one that I haven't had time to, or haven't made time to read yet. Uh, okay. Up next for me uh, from Aftershock, a calculated man. Number two, this one's from Paul Tobin. Alberto Albuquerque is the artist, Mark Engler on colors, Taylor Esposito on letters. You know, uh, it's hard to say it's my favorite Aftershock book because Aftershock puts out so many great titles, but Man, I think this might be my favorite Aftershock book. I, I love I love this character. Um, you know, this this mob accountant who really, you know, he, he doesn't, he's so quirky, he doesn't really, you know, fit in, you know, in social situations. He's incapable of lying, uh, but he's just so smart and he sees all the angles and uh you know, despite that, he still gets himself in trouble because of his little quirks. So uh, I, I just think his name, you know, his, his uh, name while well, he's in this witness, uh, witness, uh, WITSEC, whatever, witness security program or whatever it is, um, it, it's certainly, it, yeah, he has his quirks. He, and, and, you know, again, he, he tries to see all the angles and, you know, watching him try to, to navigate this existence where he, again, he can't help but be who he is uh, and he doesn't try to hide it. And the way he gets out, you know, around things and his, 
handlers ask him direct questions. Have you committed a crime? He can't lie about it. It doesn't mean he has to answer the question. You know, he just chooses not to answer, which then leads to their suspicions, which he then flips back around on them. It's just, you know, everything is an equation to him. Everything is math. And uh, it's just a fascinating look at uh, just a really quirky and interesting character from Paul Tobin. And the uh, Alberto Albuquerque art fits it very well. His his art's a little stylized, uh, but I fell in love with it when he was doing Letter 44 with Charles Soule. And it does kind of suit the quirkiness of the story as well. So it's very fast paced and just a, a heck of a lot of fun, sort of tongue in cheek at times. Because, again, Jack Beans, he can't he can't tell a lie, which leads to some hilarity when he's talking to his quote unquote girlfriend is this woman that he's sort of uh, meeting up with and, and beginning to socialize with for the first time, which is a first for him. So, uh, again, a lot of fun. Highly, <laughs> high, highly, highly recommended. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay, we've got the Alien Annual number one, uh, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Salvador LaRocca is the artist. Guru EFX on colors and Clayton Cal on letters. All I got to say is uh, I'm glad Marvel has done a great job with the Alien. Um, I guess the, the, the legacy, I guess you can say. And the Annual was not a letdown. Uh, I think we were talking before. I said you, you think it might be your book of the week. I think I'm going to go with it because I've always liked Alien. I'm still waiting for Predator. I keep, I, I hopefully, they do the same thing with that uh, character as well. But this is fun because we get like a, like a tie-in with an, on another character from like uh, the very beginning of the, the series. And uh, right off the bat, we can see how Waylon is so corrupt with their, well, really, well, I guess they are corrupt, you know, kind of evil, the the higher ups and their, the way they see things is just so crazy, but uh, it's it's great. Uh, the synth in this um, actually stands out because you're like, okay, he doesn't look like the other ones we've seen in the past. And I kind of like how they, you know, throw curveballs like that in the story and, and the art. But the best thing about this story I can say is uh, it's an annual and they try to do it uh, because you know there's a long of how I put it, there's, there's a lot going on in the story and there's a lot of action. It's really fast paced, but they condense this so you can see the days as they go by of what's going on with this story. And I thought that was really cool. But if you're the only fan, this is definitely, you got to get this. If you got that series, you got to get the annual. And the artwork is just spot on. They just draw some really awesome aliens. Yeah, I mean, it's great to sort of get some context into Cruz and, and what he's been through. Um, and yeah, we definitely get that. So, so this story takes place about seven or eight years before issue number one. I think issue number one was in 2020 um, or uh, not 2,220, I think. Right. I think so, um, yeah. Yeah. And then this one is 2,180. Uh, yeah, 2180. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly how it all broke down. It made sense in my head earlier. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. In 2180 um, is when, is when Cruz encountered it. So yeah, 13 years later. So yeah, 2193. So seven years before the, the first issue. Yeah. Really fantastic. That art by Salvador La Roca is amazing as well. So um yeah it's awesome and again like you, you can just tell how much these characters love alien or, or creators rather um philip kenny johnson and whatnot like it's adding to the mythos just really really great 
Uh, all right, next book I'm going to talk about is Iron Man number 21, written by Christopher Cantwell. Art is by Angel Unzetta, colors by Frank Diarmada, letters by Joe Caramagna. A fun take that feels like it's starting a big, big arc, but I, I know Christopher Cant. I think it's Christopher Cantwell's final arc on the book. Um, but it really shows how much he's sort of um, dedicated to make sure that he's not going to fall back into the tropes of who Tony has been in the past. So it really feels like he's matured Tony as a, a character. Beyond that, I can't say anything about the actual action that happens in the issue. There's a ton of it, but I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil it because it's absolutely amazing. And there are some hints of some really classic uh, Iron Man supporting characters to show up, uh, or maybe not. Uh, and and also, Tony asks for help from one of the characters with th- this mission that he wants to 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 take on. Um, at the end of the issue. So again, I know I'm being super vague, but this issue is so packed with story and so tightly paced and plotted that I really can't talk about anything else because <laughs> it would be spoiling. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's a really great issue. And uh, I know at times the Corvac saga feels like it, it maybe took a little too long or there was a little too much breathing space. I didn't feel that way, but I, I did see some people talking online about it moving too slow for their taste. Um, but again, I've enjoyed the Cantwell run so much that I don't want it to end. I, I kind of don't want these issues to be so fast paced because I, I want more basically. I don't want him to leave the title, um, but he's got plenty of other projects coming up. Uh, I think at Marvel and other places. So I, I kind of understand it, but man, this has been such a fantastic run and I'm really looking forward to this arc because I think this entire arc based on what happens and, and the action that we get in this first issue, this whole next arc, I think is going to be just so breakneck with pace. It's going to be just action upon action upon action. So really, really excited for it. And the angel Unzetta art is fantastic. So definitely recommended. Okay, up next for Jay, we have the end of Maestro. I think I guess we ended up with three Maestro minis based on the success of the first one. Uh, we ended up with three total. So Maestro World War M finale, issue number five, written by Peter David. Sebastian Cabrol is the guest artist. Jesus Arbatov on colors and Ariana Mare on letters. Uh, so did you enjoy the last issue or predictable? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking about this earlier. Uh, I guess we've read, like you said, it's the third arc of a maestro. So we kind of know how it's going to play out. We know how he's going to be on top no matter what, because he's maestro. So it was no surprises. Uh, it was a little uh, weirdness with Namor getting like uh, his, with his mind, I guess something's wrong with it. I guess he sees things as they're not there. So it's like, I guess I was like only like uh, kind of a little different thing I wasn't expecting, but you know, it all plays out the way you spec, you know, uh, uh, Maestro always ends up on top. He somehow gets rid of everybody else, and it's just, it was a fun ride. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of action in this. And then in the ending, they just kind of go, okay, so now here's the next arc. You're like, oh, okay, we're going to keep going. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you said, we were talking about this before we started recording, and it's like these, these kind of series are always a little bit, um, of a challenge I have to imagine for the writer, because obviously you you know that at the end of it, you know, he's not going to be killed. He's not going to be captured. He's not going to be defeated. uh, The maestro, because he's got to be there for future imperfect. 
So this series ends up leaving off right before Future Imperfect starts. So you sort of know where the end point is and it's the journey that you you're there for. And I thought the journey here was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it might be predictable. Yeah. You might know where it's headed, but you know, at least you have fun and get to see some really great fights along the way. Great action. And, you know, Peter David knows the Hulk and knows the maestro maybe better than anybody because, you know, he's the one that created the maestro. So I thought it was a lot of fun, a lot of big explosions. You don't have to pull any punches when, you know, your story takes place at the end of the world and everything's destroyed anyway. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, all right. Up next for me, uh, Miles Morales, issue number 40, Empire of the Spider, part three, written by Saladin Ahmed. Alberto Fochi is the artist, David Curiel on colors, Travis Lanham on letters. We saw at the end of last issue that Miles found his uncle. You know, that's the whole reason him and Shift had been sort of traveling through the Marvel multiverse, looking for his uncle. He's found him decades later. Hasn't been decades for Miles, but it's been decades for his uncle. We know Selim, who's sort of this evil clone of Miles, sealed off Brooklyn from the rest of the particular portion of the multiverse that, or this New York City that exists in this multiverse where they found his uncle. And he's using his uncle's powers by siphoning them off in this machine to create this artificial force field around Brooklyn and, and rule it with an iron fist. So this issue is basically the... Um, the rescue mission to uh, free his uncle Aaron and then preparing for the final confrontation against Seelan. So again, action packed issues, like super action packed, really fast paced. So I can't really talk about any other story beats other than that, because I would be giving stuff away. There's not really any time to breathe. There's not really any character moments. We, we had those leading up to this and now it's just all out action. Um, not familiar with this artist. Don't think I've seen his work before. Um, well, actually, now that I think about it, Alberto Fochi does sound a little familiar, but regardless, uh, I thought the art was done really, really well. Um, kind of standard page and panel layouts. Uh, you know, a lot of big panels, three panel pages, four panel pages, and there's not any insets or breaking the panels really. So, um, could stand to be a little more dynamic, but, uh, you know, solid storytelling for sure. Uh, all right. Up next for Jay, we've got She-Hulk. This is issue number five, written by Rainbow Rowell. Luca Maresca is the artist. Rico Renzi on colors. Joe Caramagna on letters. Not a bad issue. Like I said, uh, we're talking about it for earlier, too. It's uh, a kind of a slow-paced uh, comic. I guess they're just building up uh, Jack of Hearts, I guess, more of a, his backstory, you know, how he's trying to get his memory back and whatnot. Uh, but the last issue, we know that someone was yelling Jack's name and they, they both kind of turn around. So we don't know what's going on. This one, we kind of, she all uh, kind of gets, kind of gets, uh, not no pun intended, but it's kind of gets a little uh, manhandled in this one because uh, we uh, meet some other characters that we haven't seen before, which is kind of interesting. Um it wasn't bad. Like I said, it starts out with a little more action than normal then because the show, like I said, is kind of slow paced, you know, um, a lot of dialogue. But I've enjoyed it so far. I just want to see where they're, where they're going to go with the story next. And I think maybe they're kind of hinting some chemistry there between the two. I'm not too sure. Maybe it's to do with the with with other with the gamma. I'm not too sure. But I, and all in all, I really enjoyed it. And and we know how she she is. She doesn't like letting things go and she knows exactly what's going on. So you kind of hint that character, her trait at the very end of the book of what she's doing at the end. So it's like, okay, she, she really didn't let that go because she wants, she has to know. So I like about that because she's a lawyer. So she has to know all the facts and what's going on. So I like that part. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you talked about it being a little slow, uh, and I didn't necessarily think it was slow last issue, but I did, I did feel like the pace slowed down even more this issue and, and maybe, <laughs> maybe it's getting, um, a little slow now, but I am intrigued about a possible relationship between Jack of hearts and she Hulk. Uh, and it definitely feels like they're trying to focus, you know, maybe swing the pendulum back from where Jason Aaron had it, where, you know, it was really focused on the Hulk part where she was, you know, more of a savage Hulk, maybe with the TV show coming, they want to focus more on the Jennifer Walters part, which I'm, I'm okay with, but yeah, you got to move it along a little faster than this issue. Um, but the art was solid. Uh, all right. Last book I'm going to mention is uh, The Ocean Will Take Us, number four, 10 Things I Hate About Cults by writer Rich Doak. Carlos Oliveras is the artist. Manuel Pupo does the colors. Dave Sharp on letters. Uh, next to last issue, action's really starting to hit the fan. All the secrets about the, the town uh, are out. The, the kids, again, I've talked so much about this series feeling very uh, sort of goonies, uh, with these young high school kids taking on this conspiracy where uh, we find out a little more about the bad guys in this issue and who they might be and what they might be after. Um, but there's a lot of story to go and only one issue uh, to have it all play out. So I imagine the next issue is going to be really action-packed uh, and really jam-packed full of stories. So I'm looking forward to that. The art, uh, it's a little bit manga-influenced or uh, anime-influenced which I think actually works for the story. Um, the colors are very bright and it's just a fun sort of all ages adventure at the end of the day. Um, and again, I think it really captures the feel of like a Goonies or a Gremlins or, you know, kind of a, a teenage adventure type uh, type film or, or story really, really well. So uh, I feel like it's been flying a little bit under the radar, but it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, okay. Stray Dogs Dog Days is up next. This is the trade paperback that uh, collects issues one and two of the series. I don't know that we ever covered both of them. I think we only ever covered one, but either way, it is out this week. We normally don't cover trades, but I know this is one of Jay's favorites. So I uh, wanted to give him a chance to talk about it. It's by Tony Flex and, or Fleeks rather, and Trish Forstner, colors by Brad Simpson, layouts by Tony Rodriguez, flatters Lauren Perry. Uh, it's just such a fun title. Uh, and, you know, a runaway smash hit. And I feel like part of the reason it was such a hit is because it is such a juxtaposition between this Disney style illustration by Trish Forstner and this, uh, you know, almost a horror story <laughs> that Tony Fleeks is selling. <laughs> and the really cool thing, maybe the best thing um, about Stray Dogs, and one of the things that people love about it is all the different variant covers that are homages to, um, classic horror movie posters whether that be halloween or the exorcist or um friday the 13th or creep show uh and in the back of this trade paperback uh, rocky horror picture shows another one um but in the back of this trade they've got all the covers so that's just awesome so Anyway, uh, it does collect the two dog day issues and uh, remind everybody what the dog day issues are because it's very different than the than the five issue mini. I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, just remind everybody what the dog days, how these dog days, uh, these two issues of dog days differ from the regular series. 
the regular five issue series? Oh, for the regular series, it was like story of, you know, the, I guess no spoilers. Not even people, most people read it about that serial killer. And then uh, Dog Days was just uh, the different uh, uh, their, their, their life stories, like where these dogs came from. So it was like a kind of a, a prequel a prequel. So that was made it kind of cool. And you're right. It's one of my favorites because I, I love animals. And if you love animals, this one kind of tugs you a little bit more than most because they look all cute. But like I said, it's a horror story. And uh, it was just uh I just like the way they tied it up at the end. It's like, good, you know, the, the bad guy got what he got coming, but, you know, it was just like these poor animals and people have to suffer to that, to that point. It was just a really good storytelling. And the artwork, like I said, was just awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely was was just, I mean, again, that, that juxtaposition, you know, you don't expect a, a horror story, a story about a serial killer when it's like Disney art. Like, you know, I mean, it looks like a Disney cartoon. It's just, it's just fantastic. So, uh, all right, well, let's give a rundown on some of the other titles that are coming out today. You might be interested in uh, from Aftershock, in addition to the books that we talked about, Brother of All Men is out today. Uh, now, if you're curious about it, also where Starships Go to Die, number two, Brother of All Men, number one. I thought they were coming out last week. I talked about them on last week's uh, New Comics Wednesday. So if you're curious about them, go listen uh, to last week. We didn't get Bunny Mask, The Hollow Inside, number three preview. Don't know why, but that's out today. Um, we Live Age of Paladins, also out today from Aftershock. And then the trade paperback for My Date with Monsters, which um, Jay and I both loved um, from Aftershock. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of the, the Aftershock guys um, at, at Comic-Con this, this week. Uh, over at Boom, we have Grim number three from uh, Stephanie Phillips, as well as Alice Ever After, number four or five from Dan Pinotian. Uh, Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to Be Kin, number three of seven from Jeff Darrow. DC Comics, again, you can go listen to our DC Spotlight. Be warned, there are spoilers. I did have to fly solo this week due to a literal natural disaster. Rocky had a tornado, touched down about two and a half miles from his house, knocked out power. He was out pow- without power for about 30 hours. So, Sorry that he wasn't able to join me, but you can go and listen to uh, my thoughts on the DC books, Aquaman and the Flash Void Song, number two of three, Artemis Wanted, number one, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, number five, Batman, the Night, number seven of 10, second issue of Black Adam, Blood Syndicate, season one, number three, Catwoman, number 45, uh, Dark Crisis, Young Justice, number two of six, DC versus Vampires, All Out War, number one of six. Duo number three of six, which is another milestone title. Fables number 153, which I did not talk about because I've never read any fables. That's for Rocky's wheelhouse, uh, but it is out this week. Uh, Flash number 784, which also ties into Dark Crisis. We've got Jurassic League number three, uh, Nightwing number 74. And also I want to mention that, uh, or and, and Justice League versus Legion Superheroes number four of six. And also, I want to mention Superman number 78 hardcover is out, continuing the story of the Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, and there, if there had been a third movie uh, that Richard Donner would have uh, been involved with making, Brainiac would have been the villain. And Robert Venditti writes this Superman 78 story, and Brainiac is the villain. So it feels very much like it could have been a third movie uh, had we gotten that uh, director still involved rather than moving in a different direction and getting the Richard Pryor movie so uh all right at idw in addition to dark spaces wildfire number one which is the first of the dark spaces which is um 
Scott Snyder's imprint over at IDW, and there's going to be other writers that are going to come in and write stuff under that imprint. But the first uh, series that's debuting is called Wildfire, issue number one, with art by Hayden Sherman. It's a heist within a forest fire. And that's all I'm going to say. Go listen to our Best Jacket Spotlight, where we talk about that book, as well as the three Comixology originals that came out from Scott this week, With our, one with artist Tula Lote, one with artist Jamal Igel, one with artist Dan Pinotian. They're all excellent. Again, go listen to the spotlight for all the best jacket uh, July books that came out this week. Uh, moving on over to Image, we've got the third issue of Bloodstained Teeth, number four, which was really fantastic. Gunslinger Spawn is already up to issue 10. Can't believe how fast that one's moving. We've got Profit One Remastered, which is a reprinting with some new material, a ton of uh, covers, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Profit. Feels a little bit like a money grab to me, but you know, Rob Liefeld's going to rob Liefeld. Uh, Skybound Returns, but uh, Skybound X returns, I should say, but this time with issue 25, I guess these are stories of, of a poss- possible future of the Skybound universe. And then Walking Dead Deluxe, number 43, speaking of money grabs. Uh, Marvel <laughs> Comics, uh, Axe Judgment Day, number one of six. I already mentioned we didn't get a press copy, so I don't know what happens in that book, but I'm very keen to read it. Uh, Defenders, this is the Defenders team that Al Ewing put together. Uh, we already had one miniseries starring them. Now we've got a second, Defenders Beyond, number one of five coming out. Uh, Knights of X is up to issue number four. Marvels is up to issue number 12. We've got Savage Spider-Man, number five of five, ending that miniseries. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, number one. Uh, recently talked to Gene uh, Luen Yang about Shang-Chi and getting to take on um, that character and bringing the Ten Rings from the movie into the Marvel canon. So uh, check out that if you're so inclined. Star Wars number 25 from Charles Soule. Uh, it's kind of an anthology, a bunch of really great stories from what I understand. Also, Star Wars Darth Vader is up to issue number 25. And the Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca uh, series is up to issue number four. Venom, Letha Protector, also on four. And there's uh, the collection of the 10 Lives of Wolverine, 10 Deaths of Wolverine hardcover that collects both those miniseries from uh, Benjamin Percy. Uh, There's a new number one from Oni Press called Blink, number one of five, uh, buy at your own risk. Who knows if Oni's going to be around in a week? They canceled. I mean, we've heard all kinds of crazy stories, news coming out, laying people off left and right. They canceled their table at Comic-Con, canceled all their panels. I mean, with like less than two weeks to go. Um, so I worry about them being around, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then last thing I want to mention from Valiant Armor Clads, number 505 is out. Uh, I'm sure you have some more books to mention, Jay. What do you got? Uh, Boom Studio has uh, Grim number three uh, it's with Jess. She's a Grim Reaper and you know, it shows how she became a Grim Reaper. Uh, it's Stephanie Phillips is a writer and uh, Flaviano Armament. Toro, I'm going to spell his name, say his name totally wrong, but he's an artist. And then you got uh, variant covers by Jenny Frazone. And then uh, from Scout Comics, you got She Bites number one coming out. It's about a vampire who's like 134 year old, but she's a girl trapped in a nine year old body. So she hires a suicidal teenager to kind of uh, help her get around, which should be kind of fun. Uh, that's by Hedwidge Hall and the artist is Alberto Hernandez. So I just thought that'd be kind of fun to check out. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about that book, so I'm curious to, uh, to check it out as well. So anyway, just a reminder, everybody, if you're unable to get to San Diego Comic-Con, be sure you're following the comic source on social media so you can uh, check out all the interviews and pictures and everything that goes down 
at Comic-Con this week. Uh, we'll be there and I'll be busy for four days. If you're going to be at the show, uh, be sure you're following me as well, because I'll be sharing um, my location throughout the show. And if you find me somewhere in a panel or walking around on the floor or out on the street or whatever, I'll likely have some giveaways, either free comics or a lanyard or something. Uh, if you find me at a show, you're definitely going to get something for free. So uh, we appreciate everybody joining as always. Hope you have a great week. Uh, and there's fantastic comics out this week. So even if you can't make your make it to your comic shop this week, go on to Comixology. Everybody's got Amazon Prime, right? You get all those Scott Snyder Comixology originals for free with Amazon Prime. So definitely go and check it out. Go listen to our uh, Best Jacket Spotlight from yesterday. Listen to our DC Spotlight. And uh, as always, we appreciate the support. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.